podcast land. You have set you down once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, your first, best, and only all-encompassing combat sports show. We cover boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, real heavy on MMA. And today's episode, we are going to be featuring my interview with Anthony the Genius Romero. You probably saw him on Dana White Contender Series, possibly the LFA. The kid is the future of the 155-pound division in the sport of mixed martial arts. Can't wait for you guys to hear the interview with him later. So let's go ahead and get into our schedule for today for episode 63. We are filled to the brim with combat sports action this week, folks. We've got coverage of the LFA 100 from Kansas. We've got some pro boxing results uh, from Showtime Boxing. The full breakdown of, obviously, of UFC Vegas 19. Our feature play, Andrea's drop of the night, her world-famous drop of the night. Our main card picks for UFC Vegas 20. And then, as as I said before, a great interview with uh, really what I think is one of the future stars of lightweight in in the UFC. That's Anthony the Genius Romero. And he goes 10 rounds with Rhino. So, let's go ahead, as we say every week, get a swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. LFA 100. You know what's interesting about LFA is that I've been watching them for forever. You know, back when they were on Axis TV, I can't believe they're already at their 100th episode, dude. That's amazing. Shout out to them. Great organization. Really, really fun to see the stars before they become stars. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into our first fight I'm going to cover, which is uh, was the KO of the night, dude. 145-pound division, Steve Wen versus Jorge uh, Juarez. This one was crazy, dude. A straight right hand knocked him out. This is Steve hitting Jorge. A straight right to his jaw, knocked him clean out. Then he threw like a kind of a shit move, which was a, he jumped on his back and hit him behind the head one more time when he was already out. I don't know if there was bad blood or animosity or what, but man, what a clean KO for Steven Wen on his fight. Uh, moving into the 135-pound division with Christian Natividad versus Evan Wolseley. This one was uh, a unanimous decision for Christian. Keep your ears out for Christian. I've been hearing about him a little bit, rumblings about this kid for a while, and I look forward to seeing where he goes. He's 3-0 and now. He's beating who he's supposed to beat. So, yeah, keep your ears open for about Christian Natividad uh, as time wears on. Moving into the co-main event, which was – uh, 125 pounds with Charles Johnson versus Carl Powerboy. Pangalingana. <laughs> Charles got the submission by Anaconda Choke in the uh, second round. Climbs to eight and two for him. So I think he'll be probably the next uh, contender for what was the next fight, which was the main event, uh, the main event for the 125-pound belt in the LFA, which was Victor Altamiriano versus Nate Smith. Victor got the clear-cut unanimous decision in that one for the 125-pound belt. He climbs to 9-1, so maybe we'll see Charles Johnson versus Victor Altamiriano soon. Hopefully that will be something that will bring the fans in for uh, an LFA event in the upcoming future. So getting into our pro boxing, I did watch some top rank yesterday, but I didn't take any notes on it. I just kind of wanted to sit back and enjoy uh, but I did catch uh, Adrian Broner versus Wa- or Joaquin Santiago. And again, dude, Broner, I'm not a fan, never been a fan of his. It was a much closer fight than some of the judges had it. I thought he did win, but it could have gone either way. But some of the judges had it really far off and skewed on Boner Broner's side. It was not a very exciting fight. Not one that I would really write home about. So, but Adrian Broner did come back and get a unanimous decision over um over Santiago in that one. The one I enjoyed more actually was uh, was Otto Wallen versus Dominic Brazil. Now, <laughs> of course, to the surprise of no one, this was a heavyweight fight. Otto Wallen, huge guy, 6'6", 21-1 out of Sweden versus Dominic Brazil, uh, an American dude, 20-2. You know, he had a, he's had a couple big losses, and uh, 
again, Otto Wallen just looked like he was in control the entire time using that beautiful jab. Uh, it's, you know, it's another case of these two huge guys who I don't think are the most skilled in the world, right? But they're just huge and they've got good power. And it was kind of one of those deals. It wasn't the greatest display of technique, but it was still fun to watch. So Otto Wallen gets the big unanimous decision over Dominic Brazil. So that's going to take care of our uh, our boxing and our LFA coverage for this week. Let's go ahead and get into our UFC Vegas 19. Our prelim started off with my man Jared Vandera, the Mountain Rhino Gang, going against Sergey Spivak. This was a rebook right they were supposed to fight a while back unfortunately for jared man this was one-way traffic Spivit took him down pounded him out bad opened up a huge gash or two swelled up his eyes tko in the second for sergey Spivik. wow really ran through jared really took him down at ease and did a lot of damage especially in that second round uh, when they got the stoppage so good win for sergey i think jared will be back uh, then we're moving to uh, Ayman Zahabi, who is, as everybody knows, Faraz Zahabi's brother from uh, TriStar, the coach of GSP. This one was a beautiful fucking shot, dude. He was fighting Draco Rodriguez, and uh, Draco was winning in the first while. Uh, Zahabi kind of looked um, tentative, and he was really got on his bicycle and didn't really want to engage. And then, like a crack of lightning, dude, a straight shot put Draco as he was coming in. Zahabi hit him square on the jaw. Holy smokes. Got a couple more while he was on the ground. Clean KO for uh, Ayman Zahabi. Great win for him at 135. Uh, the Jamal Emers Chaskelly fight was supposed to be next. Unfortunately, Jamal Emers apparently had really severe back spasms. Chaskelly was Skelly, was already in the uh, was already in the cage. It was a very unprecedented, strange deal but that fight was scrapped so next we had shanna dobson or shana dobson versus casey o'neill casey o'neill coming over undefeated out of australia via scotland against uh shana dobson who has been around a long time a vet coming off her nice win over agapola last time out this one was shana did a good job in the first a little bit casey initiated a lot of clinch and then takedowns she landed some nice shots and then in the in the second boy casey really turned it on landing huge hammer fist ground and pound from every which way shana did it Tried her best, man, to shirk her off, but she just couldn't do it. Casey O'Neill got the TKO two uh, for with via ground and pound. Great win for her for her uh, UFC debut. All right, then <laughs> we were supposed to have Rafael Alves versus Pat Zabatini, but I think as most of us know by now, Alves did a record breaking. 11.5 pound weight on <laughs> the way is so of course no commission can let that bike go so that fight was scrapped also moving into what i thought was going to be the banger of the night which you know in some ways it was in some ways it wasn't julian arosa versus nate landwehr this one was a big flurry from the beginning they were both guys were really getting in there nate stunned Julian hurt him. Uh, Julian popped right back up and started hurting Nate with some shots, threw a nice combination, and then a beautiful flying knee. Dropped Nate. Referee called it. Uh, Nate immediately popped up and said he was fine. He could have kept on going. It seemed like a good stoppage to me. But, again, I was – you know, so first-round TKO flying knee for Julian Rosa. That one left me wanting much more. I thought that could have been a fight where we were all cheering at the screen and it could have got fight of the night. You know, I thought it was going to be one of those – just nonstop scrap attacks, right? But it didn't end up being that way, but still a good win for Julian, who's been around a long time at 145 pounds. I'm moving into 135. We had John Castaneda versus Eddie Wineland. Eddie Wineland, former WBC champ, beautiful mustache, long time vet, 40 plus fights. Uh, John Castaneda kind of stayed away, stayed away, stayed away. And then when he saw his shot, he took it. 
got the TKO um, after like about a six punch combo, which put Eddie back into the cage. I got the TKO at 444 in a round one. So big win for John Castaneda. And then again, another fight has been canceled. <laughs> the one I was looking forward to at the prelims by far and away the most. Dracar close versus Luis Pena, one of Dracar's uh, quartermen apparently tested positive for COVID pre-fight. So the Dracar close and Luis Pena fight was scrapped, sadly enough. Moving into the 145-pound division, Jared Gordon versus Danny Chavez. This one was pretty even in the first round. They kind of stayed on the feet the entire time. Put Both put out some nice kicks. Uh, and then from that point on, it was pretty much Jared Gordon taking Danny down at will, landing some nice ground and pound. Nothing crazy, not going for too many submissions. Kind of more um, position over submission kind of stuff, a little bit of GMP. But Jared Gordon got the very clear unanimous decision in that one. Which careens our way into the main card. We had Tom Aspinall versus Andre Arlovsky, kind of the young lion versus the old lion. This one was a pretty fun first round. It was some nice flurries from Aspinall, hurt off Arlovsky, put him back into the cage. I think if he would have stuck to it, I think they even said that on the commentary. If he would have stuck to hitting Andre in the head instead of shooting him to the body during that exchange, he probably could have stopped the fight. But then Andre kind of collected himself, held on, came back. Uh, had some nice spots of his own in that first. And then, like, immediately in the second round, Aspinall comes across the cage like a linebacker, takes Arlovsky into the cage, takes him down, RN sees him real quick. Nice win for Aspinall. we got a question about him in the uh, Rhino Gang Q&A coming up a little bit later, so big win for Tom. Moving into the 185-pound division, we have Phil Hawes versus Nasruddin Imavov. And this one was Hawes almost all the way through. So the the the, the clinching and the the takedowns and the top control, all that. And then in the third round, especially towards the end, Nasruddin hits him, clips him, hurts him. Hawes somehow found a way to fall forward and grab on. Then when they would separate, Nasruddin clips him again, hurt him, give him the, you know, you know, those shaky legs, you know what I'm saying? And he really hurt Hawes several times, but Hawes was able to hang on. Big win for him over a very tough opponent in Nasruddin Imavov. Majority decision win for Hawes. All right, moving into the one that kind of bummed me out last night. Uh, again, Alexi Olenek, older than the Rhino, still out there doing his thing. Been a pro since I was in high school, right? Versus the young upstart from Philly, the Philly police officer, Chris Dalkus. This one was bad. <laughs> Chris really hurt Alexi, put him up against the cage, hit him with a bunch of more shots. Alexi just covered up and just took a whole lot more than he probably needed to. Chris gets the big first round TKO via punches against Alexi Olenek. I hope Alexi still comes back. I want to see him go up against the wrestlers so they can get him on the ground. And he can pull off some of those amazing Ezekiel chokes that he does. So very cool for uh, Dalkus, though. Got a big win and a big uh, name on his resume. So good for him. Moving into 145-pound division, we had Charles Rosa versus Derek Minner. This one was Minner holding him down and trying for submissions and Rosa trying to get out of them almost the entire fight. Derek did a fantastic job of staying really close, staying tight, trying everything, getting Charles to the ground. Charles needs to really work on his <laughs> takedown defense because we saw what Thug Nasty did to him, and then Derek does the same. Rosa is a good stand-up fighter, and he's a good at getting out of submissions, but he needs to get off of his back and not get taken down in the first place because he's a very good stand-up fighter. So, yeah, good win for Derek. He's had a lot of losses. I'm sure working with James Krause is only making him ever so much better. Moving into it's kind of an interesting fight was next was the co-main event with Ketlin Vieta versus Jana Kuniskaya. So if you look at it on paper, 
Yana outlanded Caitlin 178 to 16. Your first thing, your the first thing you think about when you see that is like, well, she must have dominated the entire fight. Not the case. Caitlin took her down a lot, especially in the first and in the third. Caitlin had a lot of back control, top control, just grappling control. The second, Yana landed a ton of shots. She landed a little bit more in the third. She finished really hard with some beautiful elbows. This is Yana I'm talking about in the third round, but. I still thought maybe the judges were going to give it to Ketlin for all of the top control and all of the uh, grappling control that she had over Yana, but they didn't. Yana Kudaskaya got the decision. I was very surprised. I liked seeing that. I mean, I think gone are the days of the ability to lay and pray and get victories, and I'm glad that they're gone, and I hope we continue to see this more. This wasn't the most exciting fight in the world, let's be honest, but I was kind of glad to see somebody who – Really got you know taken down a lot, and but it was still really trying the entire time to strike and to make something happen, right? So yeah, good win for Yana Kudaskaya. And you know, let's be honest, I told you before, I love the fact that her and Tiago Santos are a couple like they're so cute. So all right, moving into the main event, the big boys, my division, the heavyweights, my man, Curtis Razor Blades versus Derek Hot Balls. <laughs> <laughs> the first round was really kind of slow. Uh, Curtis Blades kind of stayed on the outside with some leg kicks and some jabs. Derek kind of exploded a few times, but nothing. You know, he landed once really good, but, but that was about it. Um, and then, oh, my gosh, dude. And then, like, in the second round, <laughs> Curtis goes in for a takedown. Derek Lewis perfectly timed uppercut, just crushed Razor Blades' face Put him on the ground, landed a couple more on the ground and pound that were unnecessary. Derek Lewis, KO round two. He only landed seven strikes in the whole fight, but that was enough for, for Derek Lewis, Mr. Hotballs himself, to get a huge victory over a very good fighter at Curtis Razor Blades. So, wow, what a card. I mean, again, it had some pretty, some kind of some duds. It had some really fun finishes. It was all over the place. Interesting card, though. I love every UFC card, even if but the narrative kind of is like, oh, it wasn't very good. I still enjoy it. So very, very cool. So big win for Derek Lewis. Now, D. Reigns, why don't we go ahead and give Dre a call to get our world-famous drop of the night? All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Rhino Gang. Now let's go ahead and get into our world-famous Drea's drop of the night. Joining me, as always, is my feature player, Drea. Drea, there was quite the bevy to choose from across the landscape of combat sports last night. What did you land on for your world-famous well, you are right. Last night was insane with how many TKO KO finishes there were, um, not only in the UFC, but in boxing as well. So it was definitely a tough decision for me, but I got to go with the one that just shocked so many people. Derek Lewis, he went into that fight being a plus 300 underdog, and he proceeded to drop everyone's jaws when he knocked out Blades with that beautiful uppercut. Um, as he shot in for the takedown. So uh, he caught him perfectly, dropped him out cold. He did hit him with a couple extra shots that probably weren't <laughs> needed, but uh, a beautiful KO either way. So Derek Lewis, you get Dre's drop of the night. But I do have to mention um, Oscar Val- Valdez's KO over Miguel Burchell. Um last night. That was a freaking beautiful knockout as well. Yeah, that was insane. And I think most of us saw it on the timeline. If you didn't catch it, it's a beautiful left hook as uh, the dude's coming in. And it is a clean KO as well. So, yeah, if you haven't checked that out, definitely look that up on the old TL or uh, anywhere you can find it, probably on YouTube already. So go ahead next, get into our uh, picks for UFC Vegas 20 next week. 
I'll start us off with our first one. We've got Kevin Kroom versus Alex Caceres. I've got Kevin Kroom winning by unanimous decision over the tough veteran Alex Caceres. How do you see that one, Drea? I'm actually going Alex Caceres on this one, uh, and I'm going the unanimous decision over Kurt. You got Bruce Leroy winning unanimous decision in that one. All right. We've got late replacement and road warrior Angela Hill taking on Ashley Yoder again. Um, I got Angela Hill winning a pretty clear cut unanimous decision in this one. What's your take, Drea? Same. I'm going 100% Angela Hill with the unanimous decision. Now, the rebooking of Jimmy Rivera versus Pedro Munoz, I'm not going to be a wimp and go back on what I said last time I picked. I'm sticking with it. I think Jimmy Rivera is going to get the ultra-rare submission on Pedro Munoz, who is a wizard on the ground. I've got Jimmy Rivera using his cardio to wear Pedro down. Submission, RNC, third round, Jimmy Rivera. What say you? I can't remember what my pick was on the last time. I think I was going Munoz, but I have... If I did pick Munoz last time, um, I've changed it, and I'm going Jimmy Rivera, but I'm going a unanimous decision. I think he's just going to dominate. So we got Jimmy Rivera, both of us have Jimmy Rivera on that one. All right. Yeah, Montana De La Rosa versus Mayra Buena Silva. Uh, I got Montana De La Rosa with a clear-cut unanimous decision in this one. What about you? Um, I'm actually going Mayra uh, Buena Silva, and I think it's going to be a submission. I know they're both... Great on the ground, but I'm going silver with a third round sub. All righty, moving into Magomed Ankalaya versus Nikita Krylov. I think this one could be a really fun fight. Both really good, tall, big, strong strikers. I got Magomed Ankalaya beating Krylov by a third round TKO. That's how I see it. What's your call on that one? Future play, Andrea. I am going second round TKO for Ankalaev. I'm going second round. All righty, moving into our main event. Once again, the big boys, the 265ers. My Your favorite. Heavyweights. We got <laughs> Cyril Gain versus Jerezino Rosenstrike. I got Cyril winning by a clean, clean KO due to punches in round two. What's your take on that one? Uh, as much as I think you're probably right, I just have a thing for Rosenstrike. So I, am, <laughs> I really do. Um, so I'm going for Jarzinho and I am thinking, if possible, uh, TKO uh, in the fourth. Dre's Muay Thai bias is always. Up. Hey, it's possible. I, we or... saw what happened last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> And then I got to tell you, my boxing bias always shows because my favorite sport, Dre's Muay Thai, so Muay Thai bias. And we, we don't apologize for that, okay? I'm not going to apologize for it at all. So not let's at go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. I know our first one comes from the return of our Minnesota homie, the mixed man, my bald-headed Midwestern broski. What do you got for us this week, my dude? What's next for Tom Aspinall, and what's his ceiling in the UFC? What's next for Tom? I'm not sure. I hope it's somebody in the uh, kind of the later top ten. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure who they're going to think of to uh, put him put him in there with. But what's his ceiling? First of all, dude, he's only 27 years old. He's six five. He's two fifty. He's explosive as all get out. He has a lot going for him. I know that he he joked last night with uh, with Bisbing about he doesn't even know what jujitsu is, but he teaches a jujitsu class. So I'm sure his ground game is there, even though we haven't seen a whole lot of it. Um, 
obviously he went, he busted through Alan Brodeau, Jason Collier in short order. And then obviously last night his win against Andre Lofsky is good, but let's be honest, Andre is 42. He's super shop worn. I, I just don't see that as being like this win where you can really tell where we're going to see Tom Aspinall two or three years from now. His ceiling is very high. Whether he's going to be championship level, I'm not sure yet. He certainly has all the tools to do that. Um, I, I definitely want to see him fight at least another time or two against some in the top 10. I want to see how he does when he's facing some adversity. And then we can kind of talk about if we could see him in championship contention down the road. But again, I'm very high on the kid. He is, certainly has all the tools to make it run uh, should he get through a couple more tough opponents. So that's my answer on that one. Thank you so much, Mixed the Man. All right, as women to our homie Raising Sweet Potato. RSP, what do you got for us this week, my brother? Derek Lewis is now the record holder for most KOs in the UFC history. This also ties him with Frank, Frank Mir for most finishes at heavyweight. But because he is a comical, fun-loving, jovial fat guy from Texas with an amazing sense of humor who didn't put much effort into his cardio and conditioning in the beginning of his career, he never gets taken seriously by the fans. His ability to just get up is legendary, and he showed a new level to his game last night by stuffing the best takedowns in the division. Derek is evolving his skills to keep the fight exactly where he wants it and will take your damn head off in the process. I would humbly submit then that Derek is currently the most dangerous man at heavyweight, even more so than Big Franny. What are your thoughts on the evolution of Derek's overall skill set, and who do you think is the most dangerous? Which one would you rather fight? Well, just to answer your last question first, neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no thanks. In a word, what I, how I feel about Derek Lewis and how he has improved, it's impressive. He is so impressive. I remember watching him in the LFA. Um, he was much more wild. He has definitely improved not only his body, but his cardio, his skill set, both on the feet and on the ground, his ability to stand up, as you said, is incredible. The The thing about Derek Lewis is, and of course, everyone, it's hard to talk about him without bringing up the uh, horrible fight that him and Ngannou had, but I think he has been so injured, and I think it's been worse than he's really let on. I think his back was terrible for a long time. I heard his knee was really bad for a long time. I think now he's finally healed up. I think we are finally seeing Derek Lewis being able to fight on all cylinders with all parts of the machine working in order, right? I think that's as big of a difference as just his training and who he's working with and how much he's working out. I, I think these are all kind of coinciding together. So that being said, yes, I do think we are seeing a, an incredible uh, athlete performing in front of us right now who's firing on all cylinders. Again, for me, I'd rather fight Derek Lewis. I know both of their, both him and Francis have like paranormal punching <laughs> <laughs> power, right? Derek Lewis is a little shorter. Derek Lewis has a four inch less reach advantage at 79 minus 75. So, and, 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 and Ganus is like 80. So that's another four inches. I'd rather fight Derek Lewis. He seems like he would be, he's more of a counter striker and he's more calm and like less aggressive. And Ganu is that steamroll forward, throw six, seven, eight shots. You don't see that from, from uh, Derek Lewis too often. So yeah, if I had to choose, <laughs> oh man, I don't want either one. Obviously, <laughs> for me, it's uh, yeah. Francis and Gunn is eighty-three inches, dude. I don't want any part of that. But uh, yeah, I don't want to fight either one. But if I had to, I would definitely take Derek because I think it would be a slower pace, and I would be able to maybe counter him here and there. But 
they would end badly for me either way, I am sure. So uh, thank you so much, RSP. That was a great question, my friend. Really appreciate how much time and effort you put in uh, to your questions, dude. Really doesn't go unnoticed. Thank you very much, sir. So, Drea, that is it for our Twitter writing questions. So I'm going to go ahead and get into our voice questions. So once again, you have come in. You've rocked out. You've shown the people that the future play of Dre ain't nothing to fuck with. We tied again last night in our picks. I still couldn't get the win. <laughs> I'd rather tie. I've said this before. I'd rather you beat me than us tie. I know. I know. Oh, well. Better luck next week, I guess. <laughs> we'll see. I'm going to make sure we have at least odd number of picks. That way we can't tie. I know. If I'll we're even, I'm going to have to change a pick. <laughs> I'll even change one of my picks just to make it even. Not, uh, not be even anymore. So, Drea, thank you so much. And we will absolutely bring you back on next week. All right. See you next week. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our voice questions for episode 63 of CSWR. And our first one comes from the OG, my big homie, Jim Assoon. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess he calls us casuals. In this voice question here, let's see what you got, Jim. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and Rhino gang, hope you all are doing well. Um, my question for you guys this week is, what's next for Blades, man? That ain't good for him. Hey, that was a pretty nasty knockout. I liked it, but it was pretty nasty. Uh, what's his name? Fuck. Romanov, the guy who just won there. Give him the blade. You want to give him a big push, right? But uh, that's my question for you guys this week. Keep up the great work. And you know it's always 420, kids. Peace. Yeah, dude. I thought about this, too, last night after he lost. Like, where does where does Curse Blades go next? I'm going to say probably whoever loses between next week's Cyril Gone versus Jerzino Rosenstrike. I think this is a... This is a time for heavyweights where even if you take a loss, as long as it's against somebody else who's in that top 10, you're not going to slide way down the line. It's not the deepest division right now. He's already beat Volkov. who got the big one over Overeem. Speaking of Overeem, he already has a win over Overeem. So, yeah, let's take whoever loses in this upcoming weekend's uh, main event between Cyril and Jairzinho, and let's match him up against the against whoever loses in that one. I think that would be a, you know, a pretty fair one as far as rankings go. I think it'll then make whoever loses that fight really move down the bench and that other person kind of stay on that periphery of that top 10. So yeah, dude, I think let's make it, let's make it easy. Let's make it between the uh, loser of Cyril and Jairzinho for next weekend. So great question, Jim. Thank you so much, my friend. Moving into our second voice question. We got our boy juice from the friendly sparring pod. It's so hard for me not to immediately say FWM because I've been doing it for so long, but yes, juice from the friendly sparring podcast. Juice, what do you got for us this week, brother? What's up, Rhino? It's Juice, co-host of the Friendly Sparring Podcast. Other than to gloat about Derek Lewis winning, because that's, you know, that's what I do. But uh, I got a question for you. So last night we had kind of an unprecedented situation. Chas Skelly made it to the cage, and then we found out that when his opponent, Jamal Emers, was set to walk out, uh, he had a back spasm backstage and, and couldn't make it. The fight was called off. And then Chas Kelly, in his, uh, they, they interviewed him, you know, right away, and and he said he should get his his win bonus. He's like, I may wait. I showed up. I need to get my win bonus. And at first, I was like, this whiny motherfucker. And, it, and, it, and it, on, on the surface, it's kind of disrespectful to Jamal. Like, it's kind of saying like, oh, he win, he loses by forfeit or whatever. But then you think about it, and it's like, no, they should do that, and they shouldn't have to be begging for it in the post fight. So, my question is, 
do they need to have a stipulation in the contract that says if you make it to the cage but your opponent cannot, you still get your win bonus? This was a tough one, bro, because I could absolutely see it from both sides. Uh, it's such a rare occurrence. I, have, I really don't know if we're going to see that being something that gets put like into contracts. Again, I've looked at a whole lot of pro contracts in my day for myself, and there's a lot of things in them, right? But that's never one that you <laughs> I've ever seen in one, nor do I think it's going to happen. I'm going to go with, should they probably put get their win bonus if they get into the cage and they do everything they're supposed to do and get ready to fight? Yes. Are they going to, like, moving forward? I really don't know, dude. I just don't I don't think this is going to happen again. And if it does, you know, maybe once or twice more in the next five years, I just think it's such a rare thing that no one's going to make any amendments to any contracts uh, moving forward. But should they get a win bonus for showing up? Probably. Are they going to? Uh, I don't really don't know. But if it were to happen again, I would hope that the person does get their win bonus. That's what I think should happen because they did everything under their control within their power to uh, to make the fight happen. So, yeah, it's crazy. I remember I remember one of my fights. It was going to be my first pro fight, actually. I was there. I was dressed. I got my Vaseline on. I was gloved up, ready to rock and roll, and the guy never showed. But I got my show money, but I certainly did not get my <laughs> but uh yeah great question juice thank you so much if you guys haven't already absolutely check out juice's rebrand in the friendly sparring pod with his co-host leo so thank you so much juice all right let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of rhino with anthony the Jesus romero after a quick word from our sponsor hey rhino gang are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together maybe make it feel a little bit more homey how about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Everybody out there in podcast land, we've got ourselves a very special guest joining the Rhino Gang today. My man, you know him from Dana White Contender Series, the LFA, and Team Dodge Sports Management Lightweight Supreme, Anthony the Genius Romero. Thank you so much for joining us today, sir. That's a great intro. Thank you very much for having me. I'm fantastic at this job. I got to tell you, be honest yeah. with you, man. I'm like, I'm like you in the cage is like me on the mic. I got to be honest with you, sir. So <laughs> I'm really stoked to have you on, Anthony. So, dude, with the 10 rounds with Ryan, what we love to do is we love to get the background story, kind of the, the origins of how you first got started in the mixed martial arts for round one. Yeah, so I'll try to make it as, as quick as possible. Um, but uh, but yeah, I started off with with karate. I don't really say too much uh, about it because I kind of it was like a two week trial, um, and then I kind of jumped right into Taekwondo and 
And Taekwondo was kind of my main martial arts at the time. And I did that for, for a few years, actually, until I was uh, about 11 or 12. Uh, I got my black belt or, or like a junior black belt, whatever. Um, and then I wanted to find something different because I, I watched my first uh, UFC fight. It was Andrew Silva and Patrick Cote. And from there, I just kind of fell in love with it. And uh, it, it was just like a coincidence that a gym opened up uh, that did MMA. And then that's kind of where I had my, my takeoff. Oh, very cool, dude. Uh, so those of us who've kind of followed your career, your last fight was a tough scrap win over uh, Zach Jusola in December for the LFA. Do you have an idea or any kind of um, insight as many we can hope to maybe see you back in the cage and for who? Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to uh, to get that UFC call. I, I've been asking a lot of questions, what I need to do, and there's no real like pathway to get there. So um, right now, that's kind of my my mission is to get into the UFC, um, and then if not, then I'm I'm open to going to one of these uh, other promotions like LFA or CFFC, um, just to get another tune-up fight. Well, not a tune-up fight, but like just kind of stay fresh in the game. I don't want to miss a lot of time. Uh, this game is is changing. Like every every month, there's always something new, and um, so if it has to be like that way, then I'll, I'll take another fight. But right now, I want to uh, try to aim for the UFC. Oh, that's awesome, dude! Yeah, you basically just answered my next question, which was, uh, you know, last August was your win on the Dean Wade Contender Series. Uh, then you recently just won again, like we talked about in the LFA. I think it's pretty safe to say that you're kind of a whoever, wherever type of fighter. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, yeah, oh yeah, of course, of course. There's an opportunity that I know is going to benefit my career, then I'll, I'll take it for sure. Fantastic, dude. Uh, going back to your Amy career, you were on a 17-fight win streak. That's incredible, dude. I know as a pro fighter myself for a long time, even stringing together three or four is really difficult. But you're at 17 right now. I know that we could talk about you know your well-roundedness or your cardio, things that you are like really excel at, Anthony, but... What would you say is the top of the list as a why do you think, like the reason why you've been able to string together 17 wins in a row? Um, I, I would say it's my my coaching. Uh, of good coaching. Um, my, my coach is Lyndon Whitlock, my striking, and, and um, my wrestling coach, Chris Prickett. They've just been amazing. They've been able to tie things together perfectly, and and not just for myself, but other athletes uh, in the gym. They're, they're able to, to put it together. And uh, that's probably what I would say is, is uh, my success and, and the other athletes' success uh, in the gym is, is the coaching that we have. It's very dedicated. Yeah, people have got to realize how important coaching is. Of course, it's important in every other sport, but when you're talking about a one-on-one -on -one kind of coaching, it really needs to be that kind of relationship where you can understand what they're trying to teach you and then implement it once you're in the fight. So, yeah, 100% on that one, my friend. Uh, the Genius is a fantastic nickname. I love <laughs> nicknames, dude. I, it's always something I bring up with the fighters. But the Genius has got to be one of my favorite. Where and when did you were able to pick that nickname up, dude? Um, I, I would say, like, when I was younger, um, going through that transition from the kids' jiu-jitsu class, um, I was kind of... I like to stay humble, so I don't like to use these, these words, but I was kind of like being dominant with the other kids, and I wasn't really, um, I don't know, like I guess like entertained or, or learning much because I was just kind of throwing kids around. Um, right. But uh, so I, I went, I was allowed to go to the auto class where I started getting my butt kicked, uh, and that's kind of what I needed. And then eventually I started coming up with new techniques and new ways that I wasn't really shown. It was just kind of on the fly. And uh, and my coach at the time was like, oh, this kid's like a genius. He's he's making his own things up and 
and uh, it's working for him and he's finding ways to win small battles. Um, so, and also the way I, I train and the way I fight, it's not super, um, like, I, I guess, super aggressive or, or like, it's very smart. I take a smart approach in my training and, and my, uh, my fighting. And I always try to find the best route to win. Um, it's not always pretty, but, uh, but yeah, I, I do my best to, uh, to go with the W. Oh yeah, absolutely. My friend, uh, you came up in Ontario, Canada, which is just a few hours from where I came up in Detroit. Besides, obviously, besides what you talked about, your martial arts background, what were some things that you liked to do growing up? Were you into any other sports? Uh, what, like, what were some of the things you were into kind of hobby-wise uh, that you spent your time doing growing up in uh, the beautiful area of Ontario, Canada? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a kid, I played a lot of soccer. I, I love soccer. It was uh, a, a deep passion that I had. I wanted to become professional and, and play for like a, um, a big club. Um, Toronto FC was, was something that was coming up at the time. And um, it just never happened. I obviously wasn't good enough uh, to get to that level. And uh, being from Canada, it, it's it's tough to uh, to find those routes to become a high level soccer player. So um, that's when I kind of made the transition. I, I kind of put it to the side, and then I just really never had time to uh, to play soccer again. Um, and now MMA is kind of I guess my new love, and uh, I've just been so dedicated that I haven't really been able to keep track of of soccer. Or, or anything like that, just because I'm so invested into MMA and and there's so many things, right? There's so many like jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing. There's so many things to watch that it's hard to really watch other things. Um, that's what I think, anyways. But uh, if you want to be in the best of sport, you got to keep up with everything. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> you kind of touched on something that I talk about all the time with my buddies. Like, I used to be a huge, you know, pro football fan. I used to watch college basketball. Like, I used to watch other things. But the last like decade, I literally only watch combat sports. Between boxing, <laughs> kickboxing, Muay Thai, and MMA, the, I don't watch anything else. Dude. There's literally, I, I'm just so hyper focused on that. And that's, uh, it sounds to be like what you're talking about. You know, you know what I thought about when you're talking about soccer is you can think about a lot of other guys who are really high level MMA who are really into soccer, who played at a high level, who love soccer. Jose Aldo comes to mind. I remember Kenny Florian comes to mind. There's a lot of guys who are really so soccer has a lot of components to it. I'm sure help you in your MMA career. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, for sure. The uh, the kicking technique uh, really helps, and the kicking power really helps. I had uh, one of my I think it was my fourth pro fight. I had uh, a TKO by a kick to the body. Um, so yeah, the uh, the kicking power is definitely from the soccer. <laughs> Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, I've interviewed a couple of your former teammates uh, from Parabellum, Aaron Jeffrey, Jasmine Jezavicious. I, I know with all the craziness in the world that it's really hard for fighters to uh, have that stable gym or have a stable area where they know they're kind of have their routine down because, you know, certain gyms are closed at certain times, sometimes with certain uh, laws being passed or maybe not laws, but, you know, rules being enforced, gyms can't be open at certain times. So it's hard right now, especially to keep a high level training program together. How are you managing to do that during these uh, crazy times of uh, the coronavirus? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of people um, people struggling and, and fighters struggling to find places to train. Um, and uh, like, actually, I, I would say that I built a gym in my backyard, but I had a garage and um, it was a mess, to be honest. It was just it was just carrying things that didn't need to be in there. And um, I think I came back from the contender series and uh, I was like, I need to, to find a way to train. I need to find a way to to stay in shape 
and uh, and the gym was closed at the time. So uh, my father and my brother all helped, and we we emptied it out. We put new drywall and and all that stuff in there, and I got mats and weights and all that stuff that you can need and punching bag, and uh, and now that's that's in there, and and I use it all the time um, for myself and my brother, who's a, a boxer as well. Um, so we hit pads in there. We do strength conditioning in there. Um, and then at times, like we will do like a small group training, uh, with my, my training part, like you mentioned, uh, Aaron and, and Jasmine, um, to like super, super small. And, uh, we, we get our work in just to stay up to date with things. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I, I get around. And it's, uh, not the best idea to run these days, uh, being in, <laughs> right. in Canada. So, um, so yeah, I try to stay indoors and, and do my best to, to stay in shape and, and everything feels great. Like I'm, I'm in fight shape. I'm, I'm fight ready. I have no fight scheduled, um, but uh, if I have to uh, to snap my fingers and get in fight mode, then I'm uh, I'm ready to rock. That's awesome, man. Yeah, if you look outside, and I know people all over the country are to be listening and over the world listening to it. Uh, in the region of the world that both Aaron and I live in, Aaron, that both Anthony and I live in. I'm looking at Aaron uh, Jeffrey's name on my list. That's why I said <laughs> but uh, Anthony and I live in. It is ridiculous snowing outside right now. There's already tons of snow on the ground. We're just getting more over the next 24 hours. It is a mess. So yes, running outside trying to do some road work is not an ideal situation <laughs> at all. So you're a very young guy in the sport, uh, Anthony. You you've but you've almost had as many fights as you are old. You've had 19 <laughs> fights with your whole career, at least according to Tapology. You know, sometimes there's a there's a smoker fight in there too that maybe they don't <laughs> recognize. But you've had at least 19 fights, and you're only 23 years old. Um, is, does that is that kind of how you see your career going moving forward? You know, of course, barring any God forbid any injuries or anything like that. But are you want to be one of those really active fighters where you're fighting several times every year? Uh, yeah, of course. Like like last year, I'm, I'm very thankful that I, I had three fights in the year a lot of people had a hard time finding the right promotions and and uh matchups fell through and all that so uh last year i would say it was a successful year three went three wins uh last year and uh and i would like to do the same again this year uh only at a higher level like i said with the ufc um and i'm, I'm trying to push like i'm staying patient i'm, I'm staying ready and all that um uh, so when that time comes and i'm ready to rock um but uh right now like if it needs speed to be with LFA or CFFC for uh, for another fight, just to keep up to date, then then I'll do that. But uh, like I said, the UFC has always been my main goal. Sure, dude, that's the pinnacle, and I understand that's where everyone's trying to strive to get to. Absolutely. So you're like I said, you're only 23 years old. Five years from now, you'll be 28. You'll kind of be in what is typically seen as the prime, particularly for fighters in your you know lightweight weight class. You know that that 145 to 170. You know what I mean? That late mid late 20s. That's kind of foreseen as the prime to be often. Where would you like to see yourself in five years, um, career wise? Not talking about anything personal, but just career wise. Where would you like to see the uh, genius at age, let's say 28? Oh, for sure. Like in, uh, in five years, I'd like to be in the top 10 of uh, of the lightweight division for sure. Um, that's like. A, a goal of mine uh, for a long time um, for the top 10. And then if not, then the title shot uh, or the champion from five, five years from now, I think that's pretty, pretty reasonable. Um, but uh, for now, like I have to get in there first, right? I can't do anything until I get into the, the promotion. So uh, we'll, we'll take one step at a time, but for sure, I'd say at least top 10, top five um, being in that title contention. Absolutely, dude. So this is a question I love for round nine that I love to ask all the fighters now. You know, I know you have to keep a pretty strict diet most of the time, and particularly in a fight camp. But let's say you've already had your fight, 
You've already <laughs> won. You you got out of there with no injuries. It's time to kind of celebrate and really let loose. You really want to have your favorite meal. What are you going for, and where are you getting it from? So I have this sponsor, uh, Cracker Jack Stadium, Brad Noyes. He always gets me a hamburger after my fights, uh, even if he can't be there. Like when I was in the Contender Series, he ordered a burger in Vegas through the phone for me um, to pick up. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Um, and uh, that's always been my go-to meal uh, after a fight. Sometimes it sucks when you get cuts in your mouth and you have like pickles yes. and like all, all that stuff. But it's just so good that you've been working so hard for that. Uh, you eat it anyways. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'd say uh, hamburger is like my, my immediate meal after my fight. Right. You, yeah. me, and Joe Gennetti, dude. We're the three burger guys. I love it. Yeah. A lot of people who, uh, who who said wings or, you know, we all talk about beer, but uh, definitely wings and pizza are probably the two biggest ones. But then uh, some people go for things like more healthy, like sushi. But I like hearing things like burgers and pizza. And, you know, it's time to really celebrate. Let's go hard on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Um, so dude, we are, you know, here at the Rhino gang, we are all really interested in following your career, Anthony. We really feel like you've got a, an incredible future ahead of you. We really want to be on board. Um, so can you kind of share your socials that way we can get other people to uh, kind of follow your career as well. And we'll see uh, how you develop over the next few years. So, you know, your Twitter, Instagram, whatever you got to go ahead and uh, shoot that out for us right now for you, if you would, buddy. Uh, yeah, for sure. So my, uh, my Instagram is, is genius underscore MMA. Um, that's kind of like my main platform where I, I do everything there. So I'll, I'll kind of, I guess I'll leave it like that. Uh, Twitter, like I'm on like once in a while, but I don't really pay attention to it or I don't post much on it. So right. I say, uh, say Instagram, uh, genius underscore MMA. Genius underscore MMA on IG, everybody. Let's go ahead and give Anthony a follow. We are all going to be fucking stoked to see your next fight, dude. We just saw a glimpse of what you're capable of in your last one. And I know that we're going to be able to see uh, more and more development as time wears on. We're all really, really amped up about you, man. Just 23 years old, already at that level of talent, bro. I think the sky's the limit. We are all on board. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, dude. I really appreciate the time. Hey, thank you for having me. That was a lot of fun. This is Anthony, the genius Romero, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. I really want to thank Anthony for taking the time out, man. That kid, and, and shout out to Dodge Sports again, of course. Uh, that kid, and, and I can call him a kid because he's 23. <laughs> he is going to be something special. If you saw his skill set on display either in Dana Wade Contender Series or his last win in the LFA, the kid really has an incredible skill set to rely on. He's had a great attitude. I really, really look forward to seeing Anthony progress down the line. Um in his pro MMA career. Really, really cool stuff. So thank you again, Anthony and Dodge Sports. All right. I want to thank everybody in the Rhino Gang who took part in today's Q&A. My homie, the Mixed Man, RSP, Jim Assoon, Juice from the Fighting, or no, from the Friendly Sparring Pod. See? Not easy for me. I'm a creature of habits. Definitely want to shout out more members of the Rhino Gang. Brat, uh, my homie Angel, my girl Lanta, Mike, G, and Kairos from Shots Fired Pod. One of my absolute faves in the world. Scott Nolan. I hope you're staying safe down there, my dude. Sin City, Sarah. Jess, my Scream Queen Supreme. All the bros of the MCCI. Trouble, my underdog MMA homies who I love so very much. Jillian, Monica, Chrissy, and of course, manager Jason. You guys rule. Mr. B, Marquise from Weak Sauce Radio. Mike, 
Matt from Dodge Sports, all the homies, Miss Fight Diva, Molly Bell, Ashley the Remainder, the wonderful ladies of the PRG, my homie D. Cron, so many of you. Thank you so very much for sticking with us every week. It, it, the numbers are awesome. You guys are awesome. Uh, of course, thanks to my Triple D, Drea, D. Reigns, the best mother trucking engineer of the biz, the Einstein of graphic design, Dave Fretz for your fire posters, and being my bestest broski. Be safe out there, everybody. Wear your mask. Stay socially distanced. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. Kate Sun!